Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. This is going to be episode number 170 with Michael Park. And my friend Michael Park has harvested uh, 50 elk with a bow and arrow. He's only 48 years old. In the first uh, episode 169, part one, we actually got into Michael's bow setup and all the archery setup with his arrows and and all the different uh, ins and outs of his bow setup. In this episode, we're going to talk about public land elk uh, from state to state. Michael has harvested a elk in every single state except for New Mexico. He has yet to be drawn in New Mexico. So this is going to be a great episode. I want to thank you guys, the listeners, for all your support that you give me here at the podcast. I want to encourage you that if you uh, like the podcast, if you would go on iTunes and give uh, me a five-star rating and leave positive comments, that uh, gives us a great uh, boost and helps our placement in iTunes. So I really appreciate uh, those that have. Uh, But I know there's a lot of you out there that listen that haven't. Please do so. Uh, That really does help. Uh, I'd also like to thank you guys, the listeners, for all your support that I get every single day through email. And if you'd like to send me an email, if you've got questions or comments or people you want to hear on the podcast or any questions, uh, you can send them to jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. I'd also like to thank the sponsors of this podcast and the title sponsor of the podcast is Go Hunt Insider. And the Go Hunt Insider has the most innovative and cutting edge uh, hunt finding technology with their 2.0 system. Uh, Go Hunt Insider is actually offering a, three, a free 30 day free trial exclusive for the J. Scott Podcast listeners. So this is only available to the J. Scott Podcast listeners. You can go to gohunt.com forward slash jscott and click on the blue free trial button and go through the steps. It only takes a couple minutes. Uh, you will be required to give your credit card, but they will not charge the card until after the free 30 days. You can cancel at any time uh, in the first 30 days to prevent being charged. If you have any questions, you can also email freetrial at gohunt.com and someone for, from GoHunt team will promptly respond. I want to thank GoHunt.com for their uh, title sponsorship of my podcast. Also, the additional sponsors, PhoneScope, uh, makes custom-molded, precisely engineered smartphone digiscoping adapters. Get yours now by using the J. Scott, all one word, J. Scott 16 promo code and receive 10% discount on all purchases. Check them out at PhoneScope.com. The Outdoorsman's is the hunting optics authority and leading manufacturer of high-end quality tripods, uh, mounting accessories, and pack systems. Go to Outdoorsman's.com or call them at 1-800-291-8065. Use the J. Scott, all one word, promo code to receive 10% off any products. Wilderness Athlete is committed to improving the health and quality of life for sportsmen by providing field-tested, scientifically validated nutrition and sports performance products. Check them out at wildernessathlete.com. Use the J. Scott promo code to receive 10% off any order. That's J. Scott, all one word. Utah Hydrographics can dip almost anything into a wide range of camo patterns and designs and colors. Give them a call and see what they can do for you. Receive up to a 10% discount by using the J. Scott 16, that's J. Scott 16, all one word, promo code. 
visit them at utahhydrographics.com. I'd also like to thank Western Hunter and Elk Hunter magazines for their support of the podcast. And they are offering a uh, promotion right now that if you subscribe today, you can get the newly released fall issue for free and delivered to your door. This issue has an extensive article from Corey Jacobson on the anatomy of elk. Colton Bagnoli introduces hunters to the use of suppressors. Uh, Remy Warren talks about wannabe and elk guide, and Darren Cooper explains the result of his arrow fletching test. You can go to westernhunter.net and subscribe to Western Hunter. You can also subscribe to Elk Hunter for a better value, uh, and you just plug in the J. Scott, all one word, J. Scott promo code, and you'll get that free fall issue. Guys, let's get right to this part two episode with Michael Park. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we have kind of a second part of the series with Michael Park. Michael Park has killed 50 elk with his bow and arrow, and he has managed to kill an elk in every single western state except for uh, New Mexico. He has yet to draw a tag in New Mexico, and uh, we learned a lot in the first episode about Michael's bow setup. And one of the things that I liked most about uh, that episode is Michael is not necessarily into all of the uh, details of every single uh, thing about, you know, kinetic energy and this, that, and the other. Uh, He just wants a setup that shoots well for him, that he can consistently shoot, and he's proven that he can kill elk. And I think Sometimes, as hunters, I think we can overcook. I think, you know, the details are great, but I think sometimes we can overcook all of that. And, um, you know, it was great talking to you in the in the first episode about your bow setup. Michael, how are you doing? Pretty good, Jay. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing great. Uh, today, we want to talk about finding bulls, hunting bulls on public land and in multiple states. Um, I, I've done most of my elk hunting in Arizona and, uh, most of all my guiding in Arizona. And so I don't have a bunch of experience hunting other states, whereas you have hunted, uh, all the other Western, uh, states and, uh, New Mexico is the only state that you haven't killed an elk in. Uh, I want to talk to you about public land and, uh, you know, public land can be very tough to hunt, and you're you live up in the northwest. You live in in Oregon, and um, you've kind of cut your teeth hunting Oregon and Washington and 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 some of those different states. Uh, first question would be, what is the difference in hunting the northwest and the southwest? Um, let's see. I, you would want to say it, it doesn't rain down there, but I think some of the the worst. The times I've gotten the wettest elk hunting have all been in Arizona. I mean, you can just <laughs> <laughs> you catch one wrong monsoon, and I think you you know there's catfish in every ditch there. But uh, you know, I don't think there's that much of a difference. People you know lay big claim that there's a big difference, but um, to me, they're elk. Um, they do the same things. Um, sometimes a little bit different timing of the year, but. You know, elk or elk, they do the same things. They bugle, they rut, they chase cows, and, uh, you know, have a pretty big circus in the month of September, and, you know, not much difference in my travels that I've found. 
Michael, you've kind of you cut your teeth on hunting some of the most pressured areas in Idaho and 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 you know public land that you know you've got to really work to even just find elk. What has been a key strategy for you uh, having harvested 50 elk with your bow and arrow? Um, I think my strategy starts with this, you know, and this is a question I, you know, ask my buddies fishing in the spring all the time. And, you know, I pose it to you right now. What's your elk doing today? I'm flat out going to go out and kill one this fall. And that's the way I look at it when I go. I'm not going to fail. I'm going to make elk meat before the season's over with. And, uh, you know, you've got to go into it with a good mental attitude um, to start with. And I think the second thing is I tend to try and hunt a little bit opener country. Um, And the reason behind that is uh, I can't outwalk my glass. So you try and spot them, you try and, if you can find the elk, you can kill the elk. Is that what you're telling me? Absolutely. Absolutely. So even in, even in places that are really thick, like what I hear, Oregon and Washington and Idaho, some of those places are really thick, you would give the tip that if you can find areas that you can look across the drainage and see the elk, you have a much better, more efficient chance of actually getting into them and killing them. Um. Yes and no. Um, that works great, but basically I try and find the habitat that suits the way I want to hunt. I try and find an uh, opener country. Um, you know, I don't like to hunt in the timber and the brush and all that stuff. I like to get into the open type of country to hunt them in, more sagebrush, junipers, um, fringe habitat. You get rid of a lot of people that, oh, there's no elk out here. Well, you'd be amazed what you find walking around in the winter hunting chuckers in the desert. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I like to hunt, um, you know, kind of non-traditional, a little more open country. Um, you know, because like I say again, and as you well know, and a lot of people don't realize you just can't outwalk your glass. And if I can find elk five miles away, I may not be able to get to them that day, but I'll be there the next day. Yeah. How much does time, as far as time that you have availability to hunt, play into your strategy um obviously you'd like them to be bugling but you know how much does time and how much time you have to get after them play into your into what you're trying to do um i mean time becomes a factor but you know i don't let it beat me down um you know just work with what you have and you know keep a positive mental attitude and don't stop don't quit don't you know if you're short on time don't go in in the middle of the day um, you know, you can have some pretty good hunting in the middle of the day, actually. And uh, if they're bugling at all, you know, especially on big moons, I'll let them go to bed in the morning. I won't even mess with them. Let them get into, you know, their beds and, you know, 11, 12 o'clock, kill one of them. Michael, over the years, um, how, what is your trophy as far as judging your trophy standards for what you should be killing um, on certain hunts? I mean, do you go into every hunt with a different standard? Or do you just go in, if it's a nice six-point, I'm going to kill it. Or, you know, if, if it's a bull, I'm going to kill it. Typically, how do you handle that? I mean, okay, we'll take the tag I have in my pocket for this year. An Oregon over-the-counter, you know, general archery bull tag. Um, you know, any six-point pretty much gets it. 
um, a, a bigger heavy horn five point halfway through my time frame. You know, if my hunt's halfway shot and a, you know just a big nice five point gets called in or I get close enough to shoot him, I'll shoot him. I mean, I like to eat him. I'm a realist. I mean, you can't. And this is where I see a lot of guys get hung up. You know, it's, oh, I want this, I want that, I want a big trophy bull, I want a 300 bull, and it's like, okay, um, have you killed one yet? And a lot of times you get the no. I said, well, maybe you ought to think about if a cow's legal or a spike or just kill one. Get used to killing them. Uh, that's the thing I see a lot of the new guys. You know, oh, I, I've got to have this big trophy bull, and I think. A lot of that comes back to the horn porn and the Facebook and the Instagram and yada, yada, yada. But, you know, just kill them. Get used to killing them. Um, I mean, I'm a realist when I face all this stuff. I, if I go to Idaho, it'll be the same thing there. A decent, you know, 250, 260, 276 point is in bow range. I'm going to shoot him. I mean, I'm a total realist. If I go somewhere and I find a whole bunch of great big bulls, yeah, I'll get really picky and hold out. But, uh, you know... I'm a realist when it comes down to this stuff. You do your research, figure out what the area is produced, and, you know, go from there. Just be a realist. I think that's great advice. Um, as far as go, moving from state to state, uh, chasing bulls, chasing elk all over, um, if, you, if you had to pick, you know, season dates are all over the map for different states, but what do you look for as, you know, if you, if you have limited time to get into the field, what dates are you going to say, I need to be in the field these dates? Uh, boy, that's a tough one, but I would say about the 12th through the 22nd, if, you know, I, I had to pick dates and live by those dates of September, um, are usually really good. It doesn't matter. So Arizona to Idaho to Montana to Wyoming, yeah, Oregon. It's if if you, are those are the kind of the dates. If you could be anywhere, that that's where you'd go. Yep, absolutely. Gotcha. Okay, let's talk about something else um, in regards to that. Uh, you know, it, it kind of falls in line with public land, and um, I I hear you talking about you know you wanting to kill them and you wanting to stack the freezer up, and and I love that. I I think these days it kind of get, hunting kind of gets watered down in that we have to kind of be a, a you know walk on eggshells and be like well you know we're we're just out um trying to hunt to feed our families and you know put meat in the freezer which i totally agree with and right. a lot of people take what i'm about to say kind of and they run with it out of context but is there anything wrong with wanting to kill and wanting to be a killer and wanting to be a predator? I think it's kind of a little bit of, um, I just think people are afraid of it. And my question is, you're obviously not. Why aren't you? Um, it's what I, it's who I am. It's what I do. Um, I'm proud of what I do. Um, I think there's nothing wrong. I think these creatures are here for us to use. Um, you know, and we all come from, I mean, I think Donnie Vincent phrases it the best. We all come from a strong background of hunter gatherers. I mean, plain and simple. Um, we all at some point came from somebody that ate meat and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing to be ashamed about. I mean, I, I find it much better for me to go in, into the woods 
and get my meat versus going to the grocery store and buying some animal that was raised in conditions I know nothing about that's pumped full of drugs and hormones that I know nothing about. Um, Yeah, and to further that point, I mean, jumping in here, all of those animals had to die also. Absolutely. And a lot of those get hit, you know, right between the eyes with a sledgehammer or, you know, whatever they call those um, slapjacks or whatever that, you know, just pink and knocks them dead. Um, You know, I, I think... Yeah, I think in certain circumstances, it's okay to water down a little bit what we do. And certainly, I'm not the type that, and I know you're not, that, you know, just flaunt whatever we do. And yeah, we're killers and we, you know, we kill elk, we kill animals, and we're not ashamed of it in any any way. I think there's a time to maybe, you know, not be as as boisterous and just slam it down someone's throat because, you know, you're hoping that you could at any time influence someone into going out and trying hunting, but on the flip side, I think there's, you know, it just seems like it's been so watered down and we have to say, oh, well, I'm, I'm just hunting to, to, you know, fill my freezer. Well, there's also some sport to it. And there's also those that like to actually hunt and like the whole aspect of hunting. And I don't think we should be ashamed of that. No, 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 no. If I, if it was, you know, just about filling the freezer, um, I just hunt with a rifle. Let's just speed the process up and make it a little easier. And that's nothing against the guys that hunt with a rifle. I mean, we should all have each other's backs in this thing. But, uh, you know, I see the dividing wedge in some of that even. But, um, you know, you like the sport. You like the challenge. But in the end, um, you know, if you're successful, you're taking a life. And I'm not ashamed to say I do that, plain and simple. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Let, let's, um, I kind of veered off point there, but I think I think we got some good insight there. Um, public land bulls, uh, you're saying that you like to hunt more open country, so whether you draw a Wyoming tag or a Utah tag or Arizona tag, Oregon, Montana, what have you, um, you're going to automatically look for the more open country. You're going to use your eyes as much as possible. How much does the fact of bulls bugling play into you killing an elk or not killing an elk? Um, doesn't play into it at all. I mean, it, it's helpful. And, uh, you know, it's really fun to be able to interact and call them and play that game. But, I mean, if they're not rutting hard, um, you know, if you get into the open country, you can still hunt them. I mean, take for, I can take, for instance, last year, when, you know, I had a Nevada tag. Um, and they have fairly early season dates there, and I had a window in late August that I could run down there and just kind of scout because, you know, I figured I'd go down and scout. Season was open, take my gear, um, and I got down there, and, you know, there was a death in the family, and so I, you know, got up on a high point, found a bull, and shot him that night. Um, Needed to be home with family, and, you know, with that bull was not bugling at all. He was still with some you know, bachelored out with other bulls, and, you know, if you can find them, you can kill them. So how did you kill that bull in that particular instance? Um, Glassed him up in the morning, um, watched him go into a patch of trees. It was too late to do anything with him. So I went back that evening and fairly early and sat on a rock pile and waited for him to come out. And when he came out, there was actually, I think, 
seven bulls he was with and they kind of fed up the drainage and out of sight and the wind was just starting to change in the evening and so I hustled down and got in the drainage with him and uh, it was a small draw and worked up underneath him and caught him rubbing his horns in the aspen trees and ranged him and shot him. Nice. How far of a pack out did you have? Uh, I think it was from the seat of my truck to where the elk was laying dead 202 yards. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it was more the uphill. Than, yeah, that was uh, me by myself. I'd talked to a couple guys that said they'd come help me. Um, went up and took some pictures of the bull. Was real happy. It was really going to be an easy extraction. I went up, split him down the back of the neck as I was uh, starting to skin him out. Realized my blade was dull on my Havilon. Popped a new blade on. Stuck it in and skinned by his neck and went about three inches. And the knife slipped out of his neck and promptly bit me across the knee and laid my knee open to the kneecap, and uh, I ended up getting 21 stitches on my way home. How bad was it bleeding? It didn't bleed bad at all, <laughs> um, which I was surprised. You know, I felt it bite my knee, and I looked down, and, you know, my brand-new Kuyu pants have a two-and-a-half-inch cut across them. And it was like, I don't even want to pull this up and look, and I pulled my pant leg up and looked, and, you know, there's my kneecap looking at me, and, it wasn't bleeding much, and I didn't have any first aid stuff with me at all, which was, you know, that'll never happen again. I'll have some stuff with me this fall. But I just, you know, the only thing I had was toilet paper and electrical tape, so I pinched it shut, put some toilet paper over it, and uh, taped it all up and uh, just went to work. And I had the bull half broke down when these other guys showed up, and they helped me get him out and got me a cane to get me down to my pickup and, sent me on my way and ended up in the Twin Falls, Idaho hospital at almost midnight getting sewed up. <laughs> and that was number 50 or that, that was That was number 49. That was number 49. Um, and then, so number 50 last year, I, it, for as long, well, since 09, I remember you saying you wanted to kill 50 with your bow before your 50. And 09, that would have been seven years ago, so you would have been 41, I think, if my math is right. Um, now you're facing, you've killed number 49, you sliced your knee open. Tell me about number 50. Um, I was back in Oregon. I'd been hunting for, oh, I want to say five days, and I'd been close a couple times to smaller, you know, five-point type bulls, but there were a couple decent six-points around where I was hunting. There was quite a few elk in there, and, um, you know, not a great bull-to-cow ratio by any means, and they were not bugling hardly at all. I mean, it was a couple bugles in the morning, a couple bugles at night, and the great thing about hunting, you know, a little bit more open country, you know, I could watch the elk every day type of deal, get out to my vantage point and sit down and find, find where the elk were and watch them, and I mean, the bulls weren't pushing cows around at all. They were just once in a while bugling. And, you know, so this went on for like five days, and they weren't, you know, they just weren't rutting. And uh, I finally got on a herd that was in a draw feeding, and I was, I was just sitting in some rocks above them watching them. And I don't know, there was 60, 70 head. It was a pretty big bunch, and I didn't even realize there was a bull in them. You know, there was a couple little, you know, four-by-fives, but I hadn't seen a herd bull in them at all. And, um you know, finally one bugle, I thought, okay, there is a bull here, and about that time, the wind swirled, and about half of the herd smelled me, and they kind of spooked, and 
but they only went, you know, 100 yards and calmed back down. And I was able to crawl out of the rocks and get in the creek bottom and get underneath the bull and snuck up kind of where I thought he was. And I thought, well, let's get the pipe out and give him a give him a call and see if he'll answer. I bugled lightly underneath him, and, you know, he screamed back at me. You know, and I was within 100 yards of him at this point, and he probably wondered how I'd snuck up on him. And I want to say the whole thing lasted maybe three minutes. I bugled six or seven times at him, and he answered every time, and he'd come down the hill to kill me. And um, He got into a tree and started raking it, and I just pulled back and shot him. How far? Oh, uh, 31, 32 yards. Nice. So that was number 50. I remember getting a text from you. Yeah, um, uh, I shot him, saw the arrow in him as he, he took off, and he went around a little finger ridge, and I could pretty much tell he was done. And uh, so being by myself, I thought, well, if I hike to, you know, a couple hundred yards up here, I'll get cell service to get out of this hole. And I hiked up and texted my wife that I did it. And, you know, I texted my buddy and said, hey, he just drove home from Arizona. He was just getting home. and said, hey, you want to come help me pack this bull out? And he said, sure, I'll, I'm on my way. And, uh, you know, honestly sat there and cried my eyes out for a little bit, just like I did with that big bull. You know, it was a goal that I never thought I'd achieve, and I had achieved it. And, you know, I was a little teary-eyed, and then I went down, and my buddy showed up, and we broke the bull down and got him out. Oh, that's awesome. 50 elk with a bow. How many bulls? Uh, 47. 47, so three cows. Um, and you apply in most all Western states? Yeah, I do. Um, pretty much, you know, other than Montana, you know, I apply. What advice can you give guys that, uh, you know, their opportunity to hunt elk is on public ground, uh, over the counter tags? Um, you know, you, you've already said you'll hunt the open country, um, is there any more to it as far as, uh, you know, country that you're picking out? Are you picking stuff that's, you know, remote? Are you picking stuff that's, you know, is it more be there at the good time of the year? It seems like a lot of people, they go too early. If they only have, you know, a week to hunt, they pick, instead of just picking it right during when the best part of the rut, I mean, I'm curious your thoughts on that on hunting public ground. Um, I mean... If you've got a limited amount of time, try and get it in the peak of the rut. I mean, that's the best advice I can give. Go on, you know, the 15th to the 25th when they should be blowing their brains out. Um, you know, they should be rutting hard by, you know, the 14th, 15th. Um, and I know every year is a little different. Sometimes they're not. But usually by the 18th, they're going hard um, if they're going to go. And, you know, face it, if you've got a week, you know, Hunt the last weeks of the season in Oregon or Colorado, and I think a lot of the states go till the 30th. Don't go till the 22nd of September and hunt till the 30th. Go for the peak of the rut the first time when you have the best chance of them making noise and bugling and rutting and all that stuff. To, to see it and experience it, I don't think it's the best time for calling them in, um, but just go watch them rut. Watch how they interact a little bit. Yeah, you can still call them in. It's going to be... A lot tougher to kill a big bull in that time frame, but you know you can still do it. Just go experience it. Have you encountered uh, public ground elk bugling their guts out? And let and let's exclude Arizona. Have you been in situations in 
you know, Colorado, in Oregon, in Washington, you know, in Idaho, where it's just, you know, on fire. Two best places that I've ever had action have been in Montana and Wyoming. And I want to say the, the place in Montana that I was at, near as I could tell, I was sitting on an knob glassing with uh, another friend from Oregon. And we could count 24 or 25 different bulls bugling on just a general yeah, t- Montana permit. Totally general tag, public ground, as public as it gets. Yep. Nowhere wow. close to private. The nearest private was probably 15 miles away. It was incredible. And, and, and Wyoming, you also had great action? Uh, last time I had a Wyoming tag, I had probably one of the best mornings I've ever had in the field. You know, as far as bugling? As far as bugling, I, I heard sounds. The, the cows were really wound up that morning. I heard stuff I'd never heard. Um, I'd found a bunch of elk out on a ridge kind of on the edge of the scablands, and nobody was hunting them. And I don't know, there was 100, 120 head out on the end of this ridge. And I watched them for a couple of days, and it's just like, why are nobody hunting them? And it took a little figuring out how to get to them. But once I got to them, it was incredible. I had them to myself. And if I heard one bugle that morning, I heard a thousand. So in that situation, when you hear just bugles everywhere, it can be a little bit daunting because you don't know even, it it almost puts you into a tizzy of you don't even know what to do. What do you do when they're just going nutso? What Um, do you do personally? I infiltrated that bunch. Um, There was a, you know, I'd been out there the day before and kind of knew a spring they hit in the evening when they were going to the open country. So that next morning I wanted to be at that spring, you know, sitting below it when they got in there. And sure enough, the bulls had, you know, the bigger bulls all had that big wad busted up into groups of 10 to 15. And they kind of took their turns at that spring. And finally I was able to weasel in close to the spring and a, you know, 325 bull brought his cows in there and I shot him. Nice work. That's awesome. That is awesome. Well, it's been a, a, great to talk to you about hunting on public land uh in the first first series or the first part of the series we talked about your bow setup this we talked about finding bulls on public land and hunting them uh next i want to talk to you on the next episode i want to talk to you about uh calling elk um and some of your strategies uh and we'll have some good stuff to talk about because i've seen you in action uh, two different years in 96 and in 2009. And um, then we're also going to talk about uh, things that you do to execute a great shot under pressure. I want to thank you for spending time with us uh, here on this. Uh, I'm going to call it the Michael Park series, uh, second part, and uh, look forward to talking to you again uh, very soon. Sounds good, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right. Guys, thanks for listening to this episode with Michael Park. Make sure to check out uh, episode 171 and 172, part three and four with Michael Park. Uh, I also want to encourage you guys to go check out my new website. That's uh, It's still under construction, uh, but jscottoutdoors.com. You can access the podcast. Uh, you can link to my Instagram, my YouTube channel. Uh, the different blogs, and uh, that that website is going to be the central hub uh, for everything at J. Scott Outdoors. Also want to encourage you to check out my new J. Scott Outdoors uh, 
business page that just type in J. Scott Outdoors on Facebook. J. Scott Outdoors on Facebook. Uh, I've had a lot of traction over the last couple of weeks. We've had a couple of videos that have gone viral and had over a million uh, views uh, on each video. So go check it out. I appreciate your support. If you have any questions at all, please send them to jscottoutdoors at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, guys.